Good. Yeah, check them out. Uh, they've got a couple al couple albums out uh, that are really good, um, critical acclaim, and some singles as well. So I dig them. All right, so we continue on in uh, quantum informed prayer. And uh, just to remind you, what we're trying to get after with this is a bigger way of thinking about God, which then informs how we pray, who we're praying to, what that all looks like. Really trying to get away from this paradigm, which never existed, I would contend, which is the genie in the bottle, it's the Merlin, it's the Santa Claus type prayer, where we think it works, and sometimes our prayers have been answered, so we think, oh, it actually is Santa up in the sky somehow, in a very grand way. Uh, but then we also realize that there are so many prayers that Santa doesn't deliver. And so it starts to make us wonder about the efficacy of prayer in the first place, and how do we understand these things? So that's why uh, I wanted to think about a new cosmology uh, to give us maybe a more expansive way of thinking about what prayer is and how do we do it. I'm going to make you pray a lot today. How do you like that? Talk about uh, beating you with it. I'm going to make you pray, man. <laughs> and you better mean it too. So I'm going to have you read some prayers that came out of the blue book uh, uh, this week because uh, while we're going to talk a little bit theology, we need to turn the corner and start you know, putting some legs on this thing and practicing a little bit and seeing what it feels like to pray in a more expansive way than maybe we were used to growing up. So while he was under house arrest in the first century, uh, the apostle in the city of Rome, uh, Paul uh, was still in communication uh, with the churches that he helped start. Uh, sometimes he would get visitors coming from those churches just to check in on his well-being. And sometimes uh, he would hear about things that were happening and he would write letters back to specific churches or entire regions. One of the big region letters uh, we call the letter to the church, the letter to the Galatians. And it wasn't one church, it was like a whole geographical area. But then there were two letters that if you read them back to back in the same sitting, they sound a lot alike because Paul probably wrote them at the same time. One of those books is called uh, the letter to the Ephesians and the next is called the letter to the Colossians. It's not really neighboring communities, but kind of, sort of, you know, in terms of our capacity to travel, uh, it kind of would be. And similar themes show up. The church in Colossae, or Colossae, however you want to say it, uh, you can go both ways with that, just to impress your nerdy Bible friends, Colossae, Colossae, either way, uh, this was a very spiritual uh, congregation. Uh, in other words, they were probably on the esoteric, maybe, side. Uh, they thought less in terms of uh, boots-on-the-ground kind of spirituality, more in terms of what's going on, you know, in the spirit world kind of a thing. And to this people, and in the letter to the Colossians, Paul either reminded them of a hymn that they were already familiar with, perhaps, or he is going into poetry mode and offering them a vision of Christ. Now, a lot of times for us folk like me that grew up in the church, you know, we so identified Christ with Jesus that some of us were convinced that Christ was Jesus' last name. <laughs> and we forget that Christ was a title uh, in one way. Uh, it's the Greek word for Messiah. And so we looked at that, and the literal translation of that means anointed one. So therefore, we think about Jesus. But we still think about it all located in one individual. But Christ is much bigger than Jesus. And that's tough for us to get our brains around. And Christ existed before Jesus. 
And Christ certainly exists after. Sometimes we think about Easter and what's the resurrected Christ. Well, yes, but it's not like Christ all of a sudden became resurrected at that point if Christ was around from the very beginning. So here Paul, in his own words, look how spacious this Christ is for the Apostle Paul. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme. So that rules out Jesus as the only one because Jesus had flesh and blood. He had a start date and he had a death date. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see. Now here, Paul's context in time, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else. And he holds all creation together. Is this a big Christ? This is a big Christ. He goes on. He said, Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all those who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Now, this actually is deeper than, fancy phrase, substitutional atonement uh, theory. This is bigger than that. This actually is going a different direction that Pam's uh, meditation took me. That in this, we see the presence of God in the shedding of Jesus' blood. We see God entering into the suffering of his anointed one and being there with him. That is a different kind of reconciliation. That is a different kind of coming alongside that is bigger than just making sure we get our sins forgiven so that we know we get to go to heaven someday. It's bigger than that. Much more profound and deeper. This expansive way of thinking about Christ, bigger than Jesus, the person, uh, resonated in the early church and made its way all the way to uh, one of the early saints that you have probably heard of, uh, because uh, when we celebrate this particular saint, if you are not wearing green, you may get pinched by a toddler or something. You know what I'm talking about? St. Patrick's, that's right. So St. Patrick uh, had uh, what's attributed to him, uh, the prayer of St. Patrick or the breastplate prayer. It's longer than this, but it includes this. So see what St. Pat, this is in the, in the 5th century, sometime in the 400s, he writes this, Christ with me. And he wore this, right? That's the way we're supposed to image this. As he started his day, this is how he's entering the world. Christ with me. Christ before me. Christ behind me. Christ in me. Christ beneath me. Christ above me. Christ on my right. Christ on my left. Christ when I lie down. Christ when I sit down. Christ when I arise. Christ in the heart of every man who thinks of me. Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me. Christ in every eye that sees me. Christ in every ear that hears me. This is a very big Christ that was informing the world of St. Patrick, who is famous for bringing to Christianity all of Ireland. Maybe a stretch, but you get the idea. 
This is a big, expansive experience of Christ. There's a um, spoken word uh, poet, uh, well-known. You can look her up as well. Her name is Amina Brown. I've shared her stuff over the years here. And uh, in this particular uh, poem that she is speaking, a spoken word poem, uh, she's answering the question, make sure I get this right, how do you know when you're hearing from God? How do you know when you're hearing from God? And I want you to see if her vision and experience of the presence and activity of God is also expansive. Here it is. So uh, here's my try at answering her question. Uh, This poem is called, She Said. How do you know when you're hearing from God? She said, how do you know when you're hearing from God? I didn't know how to explain. It is to explain the butter grit of cornbread to a mouth that just discovered it has a tongue. The sound of jazz to ears that only ever thought they'd be lobes of flesh. The sight of sunsets to a blinded eye that in an instant can see to fail. At the ability to describe how the scent of baked bread can make the mind recall a memory. Every detail of a house, a room, a conversation. Like explaining to a newborn baby, this is what it feels like to be held. My words never felt so small, so useless, so incapable. I wanted to tell her. Put your hand in the center of your chest. Feel the rhythm there. I wanted to tell her you will find the holy text in so many places. On crinkly pages of scripture, in a dusty hymnal, in the creases of a grim of a smile, the way she clasps her hands and prays familiar, as if to dignitary and friend, the way she sings a simple song from her spirit turns her porch into a cathedral. I learned from my great-grandmother how to pray, how to talk to God, how to listen watching her and the other silver-haired church mothers gather in her living room. See, they pray living room prayers because you don't have to be inside the four walls of a church to cry out to the God who made you. And despite what the law say, or what our human flaws say, God's ears don't play favorites. God's ears don't assess bank accounts or social status for they attune themselves to the story. Your tears or your fears are telling God's ears are here for the babies, for the dreamers for the immigrant and the refugee, for the orphan and the widow, for the depressed and the lonely, for the oppressed, for those about to make a mess or caught in the middle of cleaning one up. See, dirt don't scare God's ears. God is a gardener. God knows full well. It takes rain and sun and soil to make things grow. I wanted to tell her, if you want to experience God, you have to be willing to experience what's holy in the places so many people don't even deem to be sacred, that sometimes God sits next to you on a bar stool, spilling truth to you like too many beers, that God knows full well the dance we do and we love ourselves so little that just about anyone will do, that God cares about the moments we find ourselves on the edge of a cliff, on the edge of sanity on the edge of society, I wanted to tell her how God is always waiting, lingering after the doors close and the phone doesn't ring and we are finally alone, how God is always saying, I love you, I'm here, don't go, stay, please. How God is always pleading with us to trust, to love, to listen, how God's voice is all thunder and whisper and bass lines and grace sometimes when I pray. I think about her. How the voice of God was lingering in her very question. How just like so many of us, like you, like me, like her, still doubting, still searching, still questioning. I know I don't have all the answers. I know I never will. Maybe the best thing I can do is put my hand in the center of my chest, feel the rhythm there, turn down the noise in our minds and our lives and whisper, God, whatever you want to say, I'm here. Listen.
She's pretty good. <laughs> All the stuff I'm offering today, by the way, except for an Epperly uh, interview cut, is on the online. So you can go to my blog today if you want to hear the Bird Talker songs. There's links to that if you want to hear her do her thing and uh, find a link to her greater body of work, you're, you're welcome to do that. This way of thinking about God is so expansive. John Cobb talks about it in this way. He says, Christian spirituality is the formation of life and response to the divine spirit that is known in Jesus Christ. The divine spirit is God. Hence, what we believe about God determines our spirituality, which is why theology matters why thinking about this stuff matters. Because while any prayer will work to some degree, your, your ideology of God is a, a really massive Santa up in the sky, that's going to work for you for a while. But what happens when it fails to work any longer? Our ongoing thinking about God must evolve with it. Well, Bruce Epperly, who wrote the book uh, that we're uh, reading together, um, his contention, and you've heard a little bit of his story a few weeks ago about how he was born uh, into a pastor's house and his dad got fired for being edgy, you know, and challenging the status quo. And it wrecked his faith and he left the faith for many years until something wooed him back. Something in him was saying, I know. And his assertion, <laughs> this is remarkable about a guy who had every reason to leave the church now he comes back as a pastor and theologian. And he says this, Christ is alive. Christ's Spirit can creatively transform us and give us the vision and energy to transform our world. That is our calling as followers of the healer from Nazareth. If you ever hear Bruce Epperly uh, talk in person, he will talk about how, for, you know, uh, in, in this progressive theology and this process theology, we need to become ev truly evangelical because in his estimation, evangelical simply means the bearers of good news. And in his estimation, this is fantastic news that can change anybody and help everybody. And so uh, he offered a series of prayers. He has one every day. We're not going to read all of them. Uh, but one of these I thought was particularly good, and it's sort of a reflection, uh, sort of a lead-in from Michelangelo's story uh, that Pam uh, already told, which is just this beautiful idea of what is God creating in us and forming in us. And so I want to invite you uh, to read a, a series of prayers aloud with me, and this will test your vision perhaps, and you'll know you'll need new glasses this week, but anyhow, uh, see how well you do. So this is one of the prayers that Bruce Epperly offered in his book for us to kind of work our way into it. Let's say it together if you're comfortable. Companion of all creation, wake me up. Give me greater sensitivity to your hidden presence in all things. Help me to go beyond the surfaces of life to experience the holiness of life and then encounter all things with reverence and care. Amen. Is that a good prayer? Some of you are like, I don't think so. <laughs> I think it's a pretty good prayer and it helps us uh, it reminds me of this uh, quote that also showed up in this week's reading. I was not familiar with it, but I, I agree with it and I understand it. Uh, and some theologian at some time said, the glory of God is a person fully alive. Did any of you catch that quote? The glory of God is a person fully alive. And my email thing that I sent out uh, warning you about today, <laughs> inviting you into today, said that my hope at the end of the day is that you would 
deepen your sense of well-being, wholeness, connectedness, that you would walk out here more feeling more refreshed and reset than before you came in. And some of you, perhaps like me who grew up in a church, might say, well, I thought we were supposed to come and worship God. Well, the greatest way we can worship God is to be transformed by the very Spirit of God into the likeness of Jesus. If I can help you do that and ground you, knowing that literally the word salvation itself, which we see peppered through the New Testament, literally means to heal, to restore, to make whole again. If I can help you, if I can be a conduit, some kind of a shaper of experience that helps you do that, that is the best worship we can give. Better than any praise song. Hey, thanks, buddy. <laughs> All right. Uh, you get a nickel every time you say amen, Pete. So just uh, keep it up. Please. Keep it up, man. I appreciate it. So it's this beautiful stuff. And he has another prayer uh, that I would invite you to say with me. Let's try this one on for size. Loving God, your companionship and care are amazing. You know our joys and pain and guide us toward abundant life. You show us what it means to be fully human and guide us to care for your children everywhere. Help us to know that our lives are our gifts to you and that as we bring beauty to the lives of others, we bring beauty to your life as well. If you want to make the heart of God smile, uh, maybe a song will help, but much more than that is living into this uh, because that's why you exist. That's why you exist is to be a conduit of the very Spirit of God for you to flourish in your own unique identity. There is nobody like you, and there never, ever will be. Your expression of the divine working with your DNA and your gene pool, that is unique to you. What a glorious creation you are. What are you going to do with this one incredible life? That's what he's getting at here. And then uh, one more. Uh, we only got two more. One's the benediction, so you can make it. Uh, this next one is another one I also thought was a really beautiful. It has to do with a, a broader vision than just ourselves because uh, a lot of our prayers sometimes, or at least for seasons of our life, uh, are incredibly selfish, if we're honest. It's like, help me, help me, help me, help me. Uh, sometimes I hear uh, people in the AA group meeting, they're, the way the AA group meeting uh, works here, it's really fascinating and wonderful. Uh, so you have your you're shifting in and out of people. We have this massive meeting that meets every day at 12.15. After you're out of here, people pile into the fireside room. But there are always a group of elders, so to speak, or deacons or whatever. And they're guys who've been in the program for a long time. And they're there to speak wisdom into the group. And after one particular time when somebody was pining on and on about how awful their life was and <laughs> everything was happening, one of the deacons gets up. And he says, you know what, one of the, one of the ways that we, uh, we warm up our voices, which is famous in AA circles, and everybody's kind of listening like, what? And he says, me, 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 <laughs> because it's all about me, 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 <laughs> and sometimes our prayers are all about me, 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 <laughs> and so this prayer that, uh, that we have next to say, to say out loud uh, is a reminder that it's more than just me, 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 me. Uh, this is a bigger world, and sometimes, in fact, I would say all the time, when our prayers are focused toward the others that we see in our world, that's probably the most transformative prayers that we will pray, because then those have a chance of affecting our eyes and our being. 
So let's say this one, if you're willing, uh, from Bruce. Mirror of beauty and love, we see you in every face. We experience your love in the outcast and forgotten and move forward to embrace and heal. Let our arms be wide open to welcome others as you welcome us. How would that prayer lived out change everything? It would change everything. So when I interviewed Bruce uh, in preparation for uh, this series, I asked him, because this is a, a thing that happens uh, in, in uh, the deconstruction and reconstruction process of our theologies, which is an ongoing process. We are all in process. I pray to God that your theology that you hold right now so dear will not be the one that you hold 5, 10, 20 years from now, because it should be constantly evolving. One of the problems with getting rid of the Santa Claus God is that we're not quite sure who to pray to or what to pray for. And so I asked Bruce the question, what do you think about you know, prayer requests? You know, people sometimes feel like they're not even quite sure how to pray or what to pray for. Is it even okay to pray like this, like we used to pray? And he had a really good answer, and I want you to hear it in his voice, and then I'm going to lead you through a prayer exercise. Here we go from Bruce. Sure. Uh, process theology and open relational theologies uh, are believe that God is already within the process of our lives, that, that we don't have to import God from the outside. Uh, the modern worldview initially uh, sought to place God outside the uh, cause and effect world in which we lived, a term we often use as deism. Uh, and the only way God could get back in would be supernaturally and somehow rather violating the laws of nature. Uh, so if I were to go to, and, and I have been to these, and it was part of my upbringing as a child, listening to Catherine Kuhlman or, or Roberts, you know, if God healed you, if somebody pounded you on the head to be healed, uh, you know, it came from the outside like a bolt of lightning, like Zeus from Olympus. Uh, when in fact, in a process relational viewpoint, God is already here. The future is already open. Our health and illness is a result of many factors and not just one. So even this morning, uh, you know, I have uh, schools just started here and in, in, in my neighborhood in Potomac and uh, our, our grandchildren live a couple miles down the road and I'm pretty active. I'm over there, I'll be over there this afternoon uh, and most days doing homework or just keeping an eye on the teen and teen and preteen, 13 and 11. Uh, I always pray for them. I always, uh, I, I pray for them in the sense of opening them to the energy of love. Uh, prayer in a process world is not coercive. It's not supernatural. It's one factor that enters the experience of another. So, you know, the, the physicists talk about non-local causation, uh, that uh, uh, in, in a way that we can't fully understand, two particles that uh, were encountered one another at one point in time can be across the universe, and if one swiggles, the other will swiggle. And that, that, that we live in a dynamic universe, universe, so my prayers, I believe, change something of the unconscious environment an inner environment of my grandchildren, for example. Uh, I, I take this very seriously. So, the, so 
every few weeks, or I did it, did it on Monday, before the first day of school, uh, I live about a mile from their school. So I walked in the direction of their school and walked around the school school grounds that was five in the morning so nobody well maybe they did think it was pretty strange uh uh and just prayed for the school in its entirety assuming that if assuming a sense that good and wonderful things would happen there i don't think it's magic i don't think it's coercive i don't even know if it works but it creates a bond a connection and I believe actually in some ways it improves people's settings. I know it does. I know it does. Whether you do prayers with your hands, like using a, uh, a an energy technique like Reiki, healing touch, whether you uh, lay on hands like you would in a service, a traditional prayer service, whether you simply pray with folks. I mean, I, I uh, when I pray with somebody, as I do regularly over the phone, if some, you know, like yourself, uh, I have people I know across the country who are dealing with critical illness. And, uh, you know, I'll say, well, can I pray with you? And I, I assume that my prayers at the very least change their mind and grant, grant them a bit of peace, which if we think of the body as an organism and not a, a separated into mind and body that are separate from one another, their sense of peace will already have a salubrious impact on their life. The, the peace of mind is peace of cell. Um, and so I believe process people can pray early and often as the saying goes, and, and pray with a degree of boldness, uh, not trying to control our prayers, not trying to assume an outcome, but saying of all the factors that enter into the life of this person at this moment, so to do prayers. So uh, we have this prayer exercise, and if we wanted to spend all day, we could just slowly work through all of these things. But you have pray for your own well-being, pray for the well-being of those you love, for those you disagree with, for a crosswalk, uh, for Napa's shapers, leader-type people in Napa, uh, for our state and national shapers, our nation's divided people. I was just kind of spitballing here. Uh, well-being of those torn by war in our world, torn by economics in our world and for the, our, the well-being of our beloved home, earth. And all these are well-being type prayers. What I would like us to do is to just take a moment, just sitting here, and, uh, and I would like you to pick one. Just pick one. Uh, that's not you. Because me, 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 <laughs> right? One of these things, one of these statements, and I just want you to sit with it for a moment. Okay, so I'll give you just a second to pick which one you're going to go with. You know which one you're going to go with? Okay. Now what I want you to do, you can close your eyes, you can have a soft focus on this, but I just want you to picture uh, some image that represents the focus of your prayer. If it's an individual, if it's our politicians, uh, if it's people torn by war, whatever it is, just try to picture that in your mind's eye. And I want you to just in your own words, uh, or maybe just without words, maybe with a sigh or whatever it is, just pray for the well-being of the object of your prayer. Whatever it is. Spend some time with that. 
We want them to be well. We want them to be well. Okay. Now that was 30 seconds of prayers for well-being for whatever you filled in the blank with. Did any of you in any way sense any kind of a shift in your perspective or your feeling toward the object of your prayer? I'm the only one. Terrific. All right. Well, no, there are several of you, right? Because that's the first thing that prayer changes. So for you, maybe it was a politician that you can't stand. I know there aren't any politicians that people can't stand. <laughs> but maybe that was it. And for you to pray for that politician that you can't stand or the person you're in conflict with or the person that's a problem or whatever in your world, uh, just simply praying for their well-being changes and generally, from my experience, softens us. And we become more humane and graceful and loving in our approach to those people and things. Anybody else experiencing that? So this stuff works because at a minimum, at a minimum, it's changing the dynamic in you, which means that you enter into the world with a greater sense of peace and love and well-being wherever you go. And in a broader sense, if we really believe that Christ is everywhere and is the glue that's holding us together, if it was an ancient idea of that thisness of, of creation itself, that we literally are connected in some way, and you know, quantum physics is showing us that this is really, 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 really true, that everything at the end of the day and the, and the, and the most microscopic level is not matter, but relationship. It's not matter, it's relationship. When we realize that, then that means, even though it sounds really sci-fi and maybe a little frou-frou or whatever, what it means is, is that literally your prayers of well-being really do have effect somehow, some way in the world because you are not alone. We are all connected. I'll probably touch on this in a couple of weeks, but you know, there's this passage in the Bible. It's kind of a, it's a turning point in Israel's history, and uh, the leaders of Israel are before all the gathered people, and they're giving them uh, the option, which is a very processed thing to do. <laughs> it's all over the Bible, and the option which the people of Israel can make is to honor God or not honor God. Honor the ways of Shalom and go in that direction or go in the other direction and take their chances. And one of the things in this particular moment is the leader says, kind of quoting God, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. And he goes on with the litany of blessings that they will experience from God. I'm telling you, that not in a Santa Claus way, but prayer works because you experience the very presence of God more in your life when you do. 
And we can only imagine, and we need a bigger imagination of what that's doing in the greater world. Our final uh, prayer today is our benediction. And so I invite you to say this with me. Spirit of gentleness, flow through us, enlivening and challenging us to go forward through the wilderness of our time. Give us wisdom and energy to respond to the crises in our midst, caring for the non-human world in our neighborhood and for species across the globe. Spirit, descend upon us and ascend in us. Give life and inspire service to this good earth. Amen.